Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen. So, we're going to get right back into this, but I don't know about you, uh, but I believe that more lessons are learned by getting yourself out of situations than somebody pulling you out. Let me say that one more time because Jatana and I was having this, this discussion and we were talking about this and the Lord just dropped this on us that we will learn more by getting ourselves out of a situation than somebody who keeps pulling us out. Yes, let, me, let me say it one more time. I don't think you got it yet. So, so every time somebody pulls you out of a situation, you don't get to learn how to get through it yourself. Right. So this is the difficulty that we have with parents, because every time our children get involved in something, the first thing we want to do is pull them out. But maybe maybe they need to learn while they're in there, because that's why they keep going back into it. See, the best lesson you can learn is a lesson that you go through. As a parent, my God, I know we had to release our children to make their mistakes. Just like God. God will discipline you, but he allows you to make your mistakes. See, you have to make a choice to live right for God. God is not going to make you live right. Now, both the Old and the New Testaments describe God as a consuming fire. See, this word fire is what kept coming back to my mind, especially after last Sunday, because as I was laying hands on people, it was just like my whole body was on fire. And so I wanted to come in and talk a little bit about this consuming fire. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is considered a consuming fire. And a lot of times we don't understand that because we want that loving, kissy, lovey-dovey kind of God, but we don't understand that this is a God of holiness. This is a God of righteousness. This is a God that is coming to change your life. And this is a God that's coming to legislate how you live. This is a God that's coming to tell you that you're selfish. This is a God that's coming to tell you that you're lustful. This is a God that's coming to tell you that you, start, you need to start living right. This is a God to come and tell you that you're too irritable. You're too sensitive right now. This God measures you based on him, not based on somebody else. There is a big difference between a flickering flame of a candle and the boisterous flame of a forest fire. Uh, in a forest fire, when it is ablaze, it will take special equipment like a modified passenger jet filled with flame retardant to try to stop a massive forest fire. Why? Because it's not in the hands of a human being to be able to stop it. It is beyond the control of a human being to stop a forest fire. You have to bring in extra equipment. See, that's just like God. God is not within our control. See, when the fire of God begins to take place, you can't control it. It's a blaze. You can't control God. You can't, you can't strong arm God. You fast for 30 days and you say, God, you got to do this because I fasted. No, he doesn't. God does not have to do anything that he does not want to do. And if it's not a part of his original will in the first place, then you can stop praying for it. First of all, you need to know what is the will of God so you can start praying the will of God. Hello, somebody. And so, so, so when you hear some of those TV evangelists and they talk about, well, you know, God wants you to be prosperous. I believe that with all of my heart. God does want you to prosper. For the Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. But prosperity begins from the inside out, not from the outside in. Because somebody can write you the check, but you can still have a broke mentality. So prosperity begins from the inside. And when you prosper on the inside, you'll know what to do with the check on the outside. That's why when people win the lotto, they are broke within six years because they got the money, but they never changed their mindset. Hello, somebody. See, that's, that's just like when you get saved. If you don't continue to, to get this mind under control, uh, you can come to church. You can do all of that stuff. You can speak Christianese, but you may not know God. God is not within our control, saints of God. And when I began to look in the Bible, I found different variations of the word fire. And it was mentioned 
over 549 times in the King James Version. The word fire and different variations of the word fire. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot when, the, when you speak of the Bible and God and fire and a blaze and all that good stuff. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 2, check this out. Check this out. It said, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, him being Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And behold, the bush burned with fire, but it was not consumed. Now, I don't know if you've ever pondered that before, that the bush burned, but it was not consumed. See, that's not natural. It is not natural for something to catch fire and it not be consumed because this was supernatural. See, one of the things about this, fire cannot consume itself. It only intensifies. Whenever God manifests himself in anything, it becomes a blaze. So when God consumes that bush, the fire couldn't consume the bush because God was in it. So when God comes into your life, he consumes your life and the fire of God is in your life. So in other words, anything, anything from the natural that tries to attack the spirit, it dies. Why? Because you are a flaming fire. See, that was the one thing that got Moses' attention was the fire. It wasn't the bush. It was the fire. And the moment Moses turned to look at the fire to see what was going on was when God got his attention and he called him out, Moses, Moses. Sometimes you got to enter towards the fire and not run from it. I'm talking about the fire of the Holy Ghost. See, sometimes people see things that take place in the church. They go, oh, that's weird. Or, oh, I've never seen it done that way before. And then you don't go towards the fire and you can't hear your name call. Y'all kind of quiet in here today. That's all right. I'm going to keep on preaching it. I'm going to keep preaching it. Psalms 104 and 4 says, it is God who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. See, every Christian should be a flaming red hot saint. It should be no doubt if you love the Lord or not. People should see. See, when Jesus stepped foot in certain areas, they knew it was Jesus before he even opened his mouth. What about you? When you go, do people shut you up? Are you a silent lamb? <laughs> or do you speak God and do you stand for Jesus? Let me tell you something. See, it wasn't my own self that, that got me off of that alcohol bottle. It was because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Now, one thing that I know for sure is nobody can take away my testimony. See, it wasn't, it wasn't an atheistic prayer that healed me of cancer. So nobody can take away my testimony. I know what God has done in my life. That's why we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. The moment somebody says, well, I don't believe God is real. I don't care if you don't believe God is real because I know he's real to me. And I am not here to convince you of God. I am here to proclaim God. So there's one day that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real. I know one thing, saints of God. It was at that moment when I hit a fork in the road because I was the one who didn't believe. I was the one that said, God cannot be real. But when I came to a fork in the road, let me tell you, when you get knocked off of your high horse like Apostle Paul did, then you will realize that everything that you tried to do in your own strength failed, and you're going to need God. Don't come to somebody. Everybody in this room will one day come to a crossroads. That's when your A plan and your B plan and your D plan and your C plan and your C1 and your AB33DD2 all fail. And then that one you keep in your back pocket, that one fails too. See, we serve a triune God. But let me tell you something. There's three triune things needed for a fire. For a fire, you need heat, you need fuel, and you need oxygen. You need those three things. See, God prepares you to be on fire. Jesus ignites your fire, and the Holy Spirit keeps you on fire. See, you might have the fuel, 
Uh-huh. Come on. So, so we talk about heat and fuel. You might have the fuel, but you need the oxygen to keep burning. See, the way you snuff out a fire is to take the oxygen out. The way you become a dead Christian is you keep the spirit out. See, the spirit of God is your oxygen. And see, the moment you start going away from the things of the spirit is the moment you lose oxygen and your fire is out. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm preaching better than you letting on right now. See, see, this, this is a part of church that people don't like. If I come in here and say, God wants you to have a new Cadillac and God wants you to have a brand new house. He does want you to have that stuff. But if you don't have the mentality to keep it. You know what? We live in a nice house and I drive a nice car. You know what I pray? I thank God that I got a job to pay for it. See, let me tell you something about the difference between a blessing. See, sometimes people don't know what a blessing is. I know I'm getting off message, but I don't care. I'm going to teach you something here today. Let me tell you the difference what a blessing is. A lot of people say, the Lord blessed me with this house and the Lord blessed me with this car and you got a $600 car note. That ain't no blessing. Let me tell you what a blessing is. The blessing would have been me and my wife show up at the lawyer's office and I come with my check for the down payment. And the lawyer says, guess what, Pastor John? It's zero on your account. We're going to give you the house. Now, somebody say that's a blessing. That's a blessing. The blessing that you write down and you get that car and you got a $500 car note in two months. No, the blessing is you walk up into Maserati dealership uh, and you go in there with your little down payment. And the salesman says, guess what? Today is your day. You get to walk out of here with a car paid in full. Somebody say that's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's how I pray, God. Just give me a give me favor. Give me a blessing right now, God. Give me a blessing. Give me a blessing. See, I, I thank God for my job to pay for that house. Come on, come on, come on. That house ain't no blessing. That house is a liability. You need to know what's a liability and what's a blessing. Some church folk don't know what a blessing is. I gotta pay for that house. And the first time I miss a payment, they come knocking. There ain't no blessing. Talk to me, somebody. Are you hearing me today? God wants to bless us. And the moment we get hungry for God is the moment he can give us something beyond measure. He can give you something better than gold. He can give you something better than money. He can give you something better than a new car. He can give you something better than a new house. God can fill you with something that you'll never be depressed again. You'll never be lustful again. And you'll never be able to reach out to the world for stuff to fulfill you. Because everything you need is in God. Somebody say amen. The prophet Jeremiah had faithfully proclaimed God's word to a rebellious and stiff-necked people and got nothing in return but persecution. Kind of like the church today. We're preaching the truth about God and telling people how much he loves people. And the first thing they want to do is ridicule the church. When somebody messes up in the church, that's the first thing they want to do. Look at it, look at it. I thought he was a pastor. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. No, no, no he's a man. That's right. That's right. See, see, just that nobody found out about your stuff. Let me, let me look like my, my granddaddy. <laughs> See, all that is, his stuff is public because of his position. But the Bible says, be careful how you stand, lest you fall. See, see, the moment you put your mouth on somebody is the moment you're going to find yourself. See, that's why I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, uh, perpetuate a lie and, and talk about different churches when they fail. Let me tell you something, saints of God. Can I make this really real for you? The, body, the, bi the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. Don't you know when you talk about other churches, you're talking about yourself? We are one body. When another church is hurting, we hurt. Those people over there are confused right now. They're trying to figure out what they want to do. This is why prayer is so important. But listen, stop preaching about reconciliation if you don't believe in it. Everybody want to be reconciled until a pastor falls. There ain't no reconciliation for pastor. Wait, why not? Isn't it the same God, the same Jesus Christ, and the same Holy Spirit? Just because that person has a position doesn't nullify that person from falling. Let me tell you something. Everybody's going to go through some hell. 
And if you don't believe me, you just hang on a little while. We're not exempt from problems, saints of God. But Jeremiah, he's decided that he wasn't going to mention the name of God anymore. He said, it's too hard. I am not anymore going to mention God anymore. I'm tired of these. I'm sick and tired of every last one of them. That's what Moses said. I'm, I'm sick of every one of them. They'd be ready to stone me. <laughs> pastors sometimes get tired of preaching. You know how many pastors are falling every month just leaving the ministry? Hundreds. No appreciation. No appreciation. They, what we do, I'm telling you, this, this is no easy task, what we do. I, I'll willingly get it, give it up to anybody sitting in this church. So I can sit in the pews and just, you know, come when I want to. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I, I know I slipped that one in. I'm sorry. But, I mean, pastors don't have that luxury because it, it's, it's not you that we're accountable to. See, we're accountable to him. See, it's not that I want to displease you. you, you you're going to be all right. I don't want to displease him. See, let me, tell you, let me tell you how sometimes we, and let me just be open and honest, sometimes we make a mistake. We do. And the moment we fall in love with you is where we make our mistake. We're supposed to be preparing you for him, not falling in love with you. The Bible says that you're the bride, and pastors are supposed to be teaching the bride to be prepared for your groom. But the moment I fall in love with you puts me in competition with Jesus. Is this real for you? See, and let me tell you something. I am not going to be competing for Jesus' wife. That's why he gave me my own. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I know, I know, I know. It's tight, but it's right. So, so I am in love with Elaine. And I love you. You getting this? So, so let me make something real clean because the apostolic is coming out. Because God gave me my own wife, you don't control me. God controls me. Hello, somebody. You can't vote me out. You didn't start it. We don't have voting, congregational voting in this house because you got some people that are immature. How are you going to have an immature Christian ain't been to church in seven months going to come in and vote the pastor out? What kind of crap is that? No, we ain't having that. Not up in this house, you're not. Right? Now, I do have an accountability board, and even though I started this church, that accountability board can kick me out of this church. If I do something unethical, immoral, that accountability board is activated, and they can kick me out of this church because I am accountable. If most churches set themselves up that way, you have more preachers to think about what they're doing. But if you get to do all of that stuff and you don't repent and you keep preaching, now I got a serious problem with that because what are you telling the world? Because you've been up there telling people to live right, but you live like hell. It, it don't work. See, there, that, 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 the anointing don't flow on mess. It does not flow on mess. Every time you go to church, they're begging for something. I, I, this was the first time most of you ever heard me pray, ask you for something like this. I don't, I'm not a beggar. I'm a Bible teacher. I don't have to beg for anything. But when you come to church, every Sunday, they begging, 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 begging. Got a $100 line, $200 line. Man, where's Jesus? And by the way, if you broke, you hadn't worked in three years, you're trying to find a job, you got zero in your account, how you going to tithe off a of zero? And you leave the church feeling bad because they said that you're going to be cursed because you didn't tithe. And I'm here to tell you that you can't curse where God has already blessed. Hello, somebody. Yes. Jeremiah said, I'm not going to preach anymore, God. I'm done with this mess. I ain't preaching no more messages. These people, these people are crazy. Let me tell you what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Then he said, 
I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. Let me, let me, I, I didn't understand this scripture when I first read it. I don't know if you really understand this. But when, um, when I was going through prior to me getting my treatments for cancer, I had to get this stuff in my body before I took my MRI. And most people who are survivors, Akisha, you probably know who I'm talking about, right? So they put this stuff in you, and they tell you. They try to warn you. Now, when it goes in, it's going to be like it's going to burn your whole body. And you feel it going through your whole body. Sam, you had to do it too? You had it done before the MRI? Man, let me tell you something. That scripture came to my mind. I said, my God, this is just in the natural. I can only imagine what Jeremiah had to go through because that was spiritual. But it was just like your body was on fire. It was a consuming fire. You, I was sweating. Man, I, I'm already hot natured. And I was already nervous. Already nervous because I didn't know what this thing was going to show. I'm in there speaking in tongues, but I'm, burnt, I'm sweating. I'm sweating like Jesus. I was sweating. You know, you ever sweat? See, some people say, I don't sweat. I sweat. I had to wear layers because I sweat so much. See, 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 when you start being consumed with the fire of God, your body don't know what to do. Some people shake. Some people cry out. Some people fall out in the floor. Some people, like last Sunday, just wept. Why? You can't control God when God is loosed. And, and who put you as the expert on knowing what God is going to do? I don't know what God is going to do. I don't have know what God is going to do every Sunday. All I know is I want him to do something. And I just want to be in the center of his will. I want to be right in the center of what God is doing because I don't want to miss out. I, I just happen to be the person up here preaching, guys. That's all that is. But I want more of God and less of me. I, be, I believe. I believe you deserve a man of God. To get in front of you with some integrity. I believe you deserve somebody that's trying to live right privately. Somebody, you're not just up here in the pulpit to look good, but I'm trying to be good when you're not looking. I believe that God wants to fill us with fire shut up in our bones. It is not going to happen if your private life is not grounded in into the word. What are you doing privately? What are you inviting into your home? See, the glory can't be in your house when you got stuff in your house that's antithetical to God. You can't be in there looking at different movies and stuff like that, talking about, God, I want the peace of God in my house. The peace of God is not coming when you got other stuff in there that you need to get out. I'm telling you, God is ready to clean house. He's ready. I want him to clean this vessel. Let me tell you something. He shows me when I've been irritable. He showed me when I've been selfish. He, what I'm telling you something, when you get closer to God, God will show you when you're not in his will. He'll show you when you've been negative. He'll show you, man, yourself. That's why a lot of times people don't want to get close to, anoint, to the anointing. It's fire. It's fire. Fire will expose you for who you are. They had to, when they killed that animal, the next thing was fire. When you make a sacrifice, fire came. Come on, somebody. Y'all still want some? Are you sure? He was saying, it was like fire shut up in my bones. Apostle Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. What about you, saints of God? Do you feel like Apostle Paul that if you... Close up the bowels of your compassion to people. What happens on the inside of you? Let me tell you something. See, the, the biggest ploy of the enemy is to keep you focused on yourself. Let me tell you something. The biggest enemy is not the devil. The biggest enemy is the enemy in a me. Uh-huh. Does that go over your head a little bit? The enemy in a me. I'm my own worst enemy. Enemy, because if anybody can talk John Lofton out of doing anything, it's going to be John Lofton. 
The last time I did that, I failed. So I better not do that. Well, people didn't like that. So I better not do that. Oh, God, last time they hurt me. So I better not do that. So I will talk myself out of something. The biggest enemy is the enemy enemy. See, the art of war, if you read the book about the art of war, the best way to defeat an enemy is from within. You got to infiltrate from within. That's why they're hacking into our systems. There's Russia. We know who it is. Russia want to bring back the old mother Russia. Ray Charles can see that's true. (laughs) Vladimir Putin is a bully. And if we don't push back, he's going to push us out. Hello, somebody. All right, write this down. Write this down. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to scream. I'm sorry if I'm screaming. I really don't mean to scream, but I'm pretty passionate about this. Check this out. Write this down. The love of God should compel us to speak his word with passion, purpose, and power. Passion purpose, and power. That's the love of God. It should compel us. It's his love that should compel us, saints of God. His love. See, you understand what his love has done in your life. See, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He so loved us. It was the love. The only thing that's keeping the earth tilted and it not tilt a little bit more is because of his hand of love. It keeps us where we are. And the only reason you haven't self-destructed yet is because God's hand is on you. The moment God removes his hand from you, you are out of control and you will become what is known in the book of Romans as a reprobate. A reprobate is a person who knows that they're doing wrong, but they keep doing it anyway. And God says, I'll give you up to a reprobated mind. So there's some point that God says, I'll give up on you until you turn back to him. It's just like as parents, you keep, you keep talking to you, keep talking to your kids, you keep talking to your kids. Stop doing it. Don't do that. Stop it. Don't do that. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come, come, come here, boy. Come here, Willie Jr. Come here, boy. Come here. You stop. You stop. Then they grow up. At some point you say, boy, you just going to have to, mm-mm. You just going to have to fall. I done told you 20 times and you just going to have to fall on your face so that you can learn your lesson. Come on, somebody. Amen. Because the best lessons I have ever learned in my life is when my daddy told me to do it on my own. Amen. And when you got girls, well, and I got two, it's hard to let the girls go do what they, yeah, Lord Jesus. Because <laughs> daddy, daddy's like, come here, baby, come here, baby, let me just help you, baby. No, no, sometimes I had to say, no, you're going to have to help yourself. Daddy is not your pimp. You ain't pimping me. A lot of people don't like this kind of talk, but no, you ain't pimping me. No, I'm not your pimp. I'm your daddy. I provided a life for you. Now you're going to have to provide one for yourself. All right? Now, me and Mama, we're going on to do what we got to do. We ain't making no more. (laughs) 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 Write this down. We should never preach some weak, watered-down gospel message full of nothing but fleshly promises. Listen, I already told you, God wants to bless you. I understand that. I do believe in biblical prosperity. I just don't believe we need to preach it every Sunday. Now, now, and I also believe God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless you with things. First of all, let me tell you, God does not mind you having things. I like having nice things. Anybody in here that don't like having nice things? Anybody, everybody, I think, everybody in here like having, by show of hands, you like having nice things. Come on. You, you, like, you like wearing, you know, nice shoes. Because I'm going to tell you, a pair of $200 shoes don't wear like a pair of $30 shoes. I'm just telling you right now. It don't wear the same way. I, I didn't learn this until much later. A $1,000 suit don't wear like a $50 suit from JCPenney. I'm just telling you right now. It, it's, the cloth don't lay right. It just, it's just different. When you feel it, you go, whoo, Lord have mercy. That thing matches me. See, let me tell you something. That, 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 it, it's different. I'm just telling you, it's different. A Maserati don't drive like a Pinto. It's different. When you get in a Maserati, the leather, you smell the leather, you go, mm, Lord, this thing, yes, it matches me. Yes, Lord. And then you got to get out of it because you know you can't afford it. (laughs) 
Can I, can, I, can I share something off message? Let me share this with you off message. Do you realize that every item, everything, okay, let's just take a Bentley. Let's just take <laughs> yeah, a Bentley, right? Do you realize that a Bentley has no value unless man gives it value? You, you, okay, let me, let me, y'all got time for this one? Yes, sir. All right, okay, let me, let me teach you something real quick here. If you take that $260,000 Bentley and you park it out there in that parking lot and you leave it, you can roll the windows up and you leave it. You leave it for about five, ten years. Just leave it sitting out there. Don't nobody touch it. Just, just leave it sitting out there. We come back ten years later, the tires will be rotten. It will be dust all on the inside. The wiring is going to be wore out in that car. That car is going to disintegrate. It's going to be deteriorate, right? Why? Because man gives it its value. Unless there's a man to come out, clean that car, start that car, put oil in that car, drive that car, that car has no value. Let me tell you something. We as a people... We have no value until God comes along uh, and he gives us what we need. Uh, he starts our engine. Uh, he refuses us. Uh, he comes and tells us who we are. He tells us that we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He tells us that we're made in the Amasho day of God. He gives us our value. And the moment you walk away from God is the moment you don't know your value. Because the only person that can give you the value is the manufacturer of the merchandise. I'm preaching better than y'all letting on right now. All right, let's move on in this thing. Fire symbolizes God's purifying presence, which burns away the undesirable elements of our life and set our hearts aflame to ignite the lives of others. That's what fire is all about, saints of God. And I say that because in Acts chapter 2, there was something that happened to these guys when they got in unity. The Bible says there is something that happens when the church unifies. When you can get the church on the same level, there is a blessing, the Bible says, in Psalms 133. It says how good and how pleasant it is, come on, when the brethren what? Dwell together in what? Unity. It is like, it is like, it is like the precious oil that was poured on the head of Aaron, down his beard, down the skirts of his garment, all the way down to Mount Hermon, because the Bible says there God commands the blessing. There is a blessing when you can get the church to unify. This is why we don't put our mouths on each other. Because the moment we do that, man, we, we don't unify. How can we unify when we're talking bad about each other? We got to love each other, saints, through our issues. Yes, the church is not perfect. We got people. And the moment people who don't come to church and people who don't believe in our God, they say, well, see, I, I, every church, every church, God, they've messed up. See, I told y'all that. Church. See, it's full of people. It's full of people. You're going, you, it's flawed. I'm flawed. I got issues. I'm going to have issues. Yes. Why? We're humans. We do make mistakes. I don't want to make a mistake, but I am. I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I might. I don't want to offend you, but that might happen. I'm not, I'm not exempt from anything, saints of God, and neither are you. So the moment you want to put the church out there like a spectacle, I will have to ask that person, what are you doing in your life? Do you have it all together? Probably not. Got quiet in here then, didn't it? I must have hit on something. All right, let me give you these three things and we're going home. Y'all ready? There are three manifested moral effects of fire. Check this out. The first one is a melting effect. The melting effect is for purification. Somebody say purification. Somebody say purification. It's the melting effect. Check this out. Over there in Psalms 147, 18, it says, he sends out his word and melts them. Melts them. He causes his wind to blow and the waters to flow. Come on, that sounds like a rhyme right there, doesn't it? I feel like Jesse Jackson there for a second. Psalms 147 and 18, he melts them. The melting is for purification. See, I don't, I don't know about you, but there might be some stuff that God might have to melt away from our lives. 
See, I don't know about you, but I got some stuff that God is still working on in my life. I, I, I don't have it all together, saints of God. I'm trying to get it together. I got these little things that God and I, just me and him, are working on. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the stuff that you only pray to God about, you don't tell nobody else about. Maybe you don't have that kind of stuff, but that's not my testimony because there are some things that me and God are talking about, and we're trying to work through this stuff because as I get consumed more with his presence and the Holy Spirit, he begins to reveal different layers. I'm like an onion. He's peeling me back different things. He's peeling different things off of my life, different people that I used to trust, different people that I used to put my faith in. He's peeling stuff off of my life so that he can get to the core of my heart. And that's where he wanted to be in the first place because we put too many things and we put too many people before God. And sometimes he had to peel this stuff off of our lives so he take you through the melting process so he can burn away stuff from your life. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, every man's work will be tried by fire to see what sort it is. Your works will be tried by fire to see what sort it is. What are your motives, like Elder was saying today? What are your motives? I know, I know messages like this, it hit hard because it hits that heart. Because you got to start asking your question, what is my heart's true condition? Are there some things in my life that I need to change? Have I been stubborn in some areas? Have I been impatient in some areas? Have I been selfish in some areas? Uh, about to hit all three of them. For all three of those, I can say, yes, John Lofton has. And I have to submit those things to Jesus every day. This walk is not an easy walk, but it is worth it. Amen? The melting effect. He's trying to melt some things away from our lives. Let me give you the second one real quick here. The kindling effect. You got the melting effect of fire, then you got the kindling effect of fire. That's the inspiration. The first one is for purification. This one is for inspiration. Check this out. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You know what kindling is? See, when you're out in the, in, when you're camping and you want to start a fire, you need a little kindling. So you, you scrape that off, and then you, you spark something, and that's how you get a fire, right? A little kindling. Uh, you hear with me? So it's easier, right, Brad, because you camp a lot. It's easier to start a fire with that kindling because once you get a spark on that kindling, man, you can get a fire. Amen? So, so when we start talking about a kindling, see, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's got some kindling. Oh, let me say that one more time. See, the kindling don't come when you're in the world. But the moment you give your life over to Christ, he puts something in you that he can ignite. And you can be tooting along in church for 10 years, and then your kindling starts to be decreased, and you're not on fire anymore. And every so often, you might have to get a tune-up in the spirit. What he's doing, he's igniting your fire again. That's why Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that's deep within you. Why? You need some kindling. It's already in you, but you need to stir it up. Nothing you need is outside of you is in you. Let me say that one more time. Everything that you need is not outside of you, it's in you. For the kingdom of God it's in you. It's not out here. It's in here. What does God have for you to do? Don't tap out. Tap in. Go before the Father and say, Father, what is it that you would have me to do? Because, see, when you get that kindling going, let me tell you some effects of it. Some effects of it, you know something has changed on the inside. See, when, when, when you get saved, you know something has changed. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you know something has changed. You don't go around the same people anymore. If you try to go to the same places, you feel out of place. You're like, what am I doing here? Man, I would go to the club, and I'm sitting around like, what in the world am I doing up in here? I don't even want to be in there. I didn't want to drink anymore. My nature had changed. 
See, there's a difference between a pig nature and a lamb nature. See, a pig, when a pig gets in mud, he loves it. Man, you can go clean that sow up. You can go clean her up, put a little piece of jewelry in her nose, and let her loose. Guess where that pig is going to go? Going to go right back to that mud pit. Why? Because a pig likes mud. And before you got saved, you had a pig nature. That's why you kept going back to that woman. That's why you kept going back to that dude. You had a pig nature. That's why you kept smoking that crack. That's why you kept, kept going in there and hitting that bottle. Because you had a pig nature. But a lamb, you put a lamb in mud, a lamb would cry out because it's in it, but it don't want to be. See, my nature had begun to change because I was in the club, but I didn't want to be. You have a greater awareness of old habits and behavior. Come on, saints of God. You know when you got saved, God began to show you yourself. He began to show you stuff. And I'm like, God, I don't want to see that. I know I was bad over there. He said, no, you gotta sh- I got to show it to you because you got to repent of it. He'll show you stuff. The closer and closer you get to the fire, he'll show you bad habits. And we got some bad habits in the church. We got some bad behavior stuff going on in the church that we need to repent of. And we need to get it right. Talk to me, somebody. So when you get close, man, when that fire gets inside of you, things begin to change. And check this out. The the third one is deeper yearning to understand your purpose. Let me tell you something. When I got saved, that's when I understood, man, I got a purpose on my life. God wants me to do something, and I want to know what he wants me to do. See, what you might need to discover, saints of God, is your why. Why are you here? Once you know your why, he can show you your what. But until you know your why, the what won't make a bit of difference. He'll show you your why. Why are you here? Then he'll show you what you need to do. Let me tell you something. Your purpose is locked up in God. Now, you might do some things that you think that you should be doing, and you could be very successful at it, but you might be void on the inside. There are a lot of successful people that are void. There's nothing there. I'm telling you, I work with a lot of them. They might have a big corner office, and they might be making the, the big bonus checks, but it's nothing on the inside. We work with them, don't we, Lisa? We work with them, don't we, Gene? Come on. We work with them right there at the bank. I, we work with all of them. They come in, they, they, they're nothing but a, a glare. <laughs> no life. You know why I know? Because they asked me, John, how was your weekend? Man, my weekend was awesome, man. We had a good time at church. <laughs> how was yours? Oh, man, I just it was... You know, I ain't, I ain't do much, but I ain't no life. Oh, man, I got a life. I, I enjoy my life. I love my life. Amen. I love my life. I ain't lying. I love my life. I lo- hey, listen, I ain't perfect, but I love my life. I love my wife. I love what God is doing in this church. I love to see what God is doing in your life. Man, there's nothing better for a pastor than to see the people of God. Grab the word of God. Gravitate to God and let the fire of God consume your life until it changes you on the inside till you act different on the outside. Talk to me, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. This is why I preach. I love preaching. When an eagle flies high, that's his element. He loves it. He can just soar. He's just like in his element. He said, yes, God, I like this. See, you put a shark in his element. Your shark won't do nothing on the dry ground, but you put a shark in the water. That's his element. He's like, yes, I like this. My element is preaching. I love it. I couldn't say this about a year ago because I was about to quit. I had had enough of dealing with people. People stabbing us in our back, talking bad about us. And we all trying to help people. And they stabbing us. And I said, look, I ain't doing it no more, God. And then I got diagnosed with cancer. I said, that's it. And God said, who called you? Did you call yourself? I said, well, uh, see. (laughs) See, well, uh, no. He said, well, if I called you, I'll give you everything you need. And that was a very tumultuous time for me and my wife. Because the moment I was going through cancer, a lot of people got up and left the church. And that was the most hurtful thing in my life. But God said, I'll bring you more people. Look at, look around. He's bringing us more people. 
He said, if you just hang in there, he said, I'll bring you more people that'll stand behind you. But guess what? We're going together. Amen. And see, I had to go through the persecution so I would be prepared for the promotion. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Increase willingness to love, forgive, and give without expectation. See, that's what the Holy Ghost will do. The Holy Ghost will make you give and you don't expect anything back. See, because we were born little selfish creatures. See, a baby is born with his fist ball up. We have to teach a baby to open up their hands. Why? Because they're born little sinners. They are. They're little sinners because you was born a little sinner too. Me too. Nobody came out as a saint. We all were born little sinners. Why? Because you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. They selfish. I want it now. They don't care. Who teaches a baby that? That baby, you don't have to teach a baby to cry out for what he wants. I'm hungry, and I'm going to let you know. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish because they're little born sinners, just like we were. And somebody might be here a sinner. So anyway, so, so listen, listen, parents have to teach that child to open up its hands and to be giving. Racism is not something you're born with. You got to teach somebody to be racist. Hello? A child will only learn what you teach it. Amen, somebody? But see, when you get full of the Holy Ghost, man, you'll give without expectation. I thought I would never be in that place right there, guys. Listen, because I was, I, was, I, I was one of the most selfish people you ever wanted to meet. Man, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I just hated everybody. I had a girlfriend I was in love with, and when I got back out of boot camp, she was in love with my best friend. Well, one of my close friends, and then they got married. I said, what is this? <laughs> I really didn't say that. I'm sorry. I, said, I can't say what I said because <laughs> we in church, and y'all will be looking at me kind of crazy. <laughs> I almost said it, I ain't lying. That almost slipped out, boy. That old, that old pig nature almost came out right then. <laughs> Y'all would have been looking at me sideways like, Pastor, I can't believe you said that in church. But that hurt me. That hurt me so bad, I became a D-O-double-G. Y'all know what that is, right? See, in the ghetto, we know what that is. You came up. I, I became a complete dog. And I said, no woman would ever get that close to me ever again. Why? Because I couldn't really capitalize on my future because I was locked up in my past. I let this person lock me up in my past. And that's what happens. Apostle Paul said, I have to forget those things that are behind me so that I can gravitate to those things that are before. And he said, I get in the press. And you can't get in the press when your hands are full of your past. See, sometimes you got to let go of your past so you can grab a hold of your future. You're going to have to let go of some relationships and some things and some of those soul ties that you have locked up in your spirit. And you're going to have to let those things go so you can gravitate to your future. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And then the Lord brought a lane. Jesus. <laughs> Rock my world, man. Woo! I got the Holy Ghost then, boy. <laughs> you're the quickening. Never met anyone like her before. She changed my whole life. She loved me when I was unlovable. The best way I knew about the Lord was through my wife. Because when she knew me, when she met me, I was, a, I was a borderline alcoholic. And she loved me through it. She didn't talk bad about me. She only locked me out of the house once. <laughs> <laughs> You was a little thing. You don't know about that. <laughs> and she should have because I was too drunk. Right? See, what you're looking at, saints of God, and a lot of people say, I've never seen a miracle before, but look at me. I'm a walking miracle. All the times I drove home completely drunk, it's nothing but the grace of God that I didn't kill myself and kill somebody else. I remember there was a time, there was a time I walked out of the club and I remember unlocking my car and I woke up in my bed. I don't even remember the drive. It's a blank. I remember because when I woke up, I grabbed the sheets and I, 
And I was like, I'm in my, how in the world I get in my bed? I still don't remember the drive. See, God had his hand on me. See, I didn't know it at the time, but God had a plan for my life. Let me tell you something. You might be sitting in here right now, and you say, man, I got some stuff going on in my life. Let me tell you something. God has his hand on you. The mere fact that you're here today means God hasn't given up on you. He brought you in here so you can hear the testimony of somebody who got some issues but can stand before you as a man of God and say, man, I love God with all of my heart, but I wasn't always lovable. Maybe that's your testimony today. God can change all of that today. Last point, consuming effect. We talked about the melting effect, the kindling effect, and the consuming effect. This is consecration. This is the part right here. This is the hard part. We talked about purification and inspiration, but this is the consecration. See, the light of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. See, when you start getting consecrated, saints of God, that's when you have to push stuff away from your life. This part is not easy. But this is the part that God won't do for you. Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what Apostle Paul did not say? He didn't say that God put them away. There are some things in our lives that we have to put away. God is not going to do it for us. And God is not going to take away what we should be putting away. Last verse, and then we're going to pray. I'm going to read it from you. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 38, the A clause. It says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. Joel envisioned a time when the Holy Spirit would be available to everyone. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.